What does it mean to be spiritually spent? What happens when you're running on empty, but feel like you have to give it your all? Despite what you may have been taught about leadership or serving a church, you can't be all the things to all the people all the time. It is necessary for both our healing and spiritual growth, as well as strengthening our relationship with Christ, to take time to sit with and be present with our energy. If you ever feel like you're losing momentum by trying to always do something for God or for the church, take a step back and lean into recharging your spiritual, emotional, and physical energy. This week's episode is titled Healed to Not Deal. So many times we pretend that we're over something just to not have to face our own issues. It's time for that to stop. We are for the spiritual nomads. They're outcasts and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert. A safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, you're listening to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And this is episode 123. And today we're talking about, uh, I guess, I don't know exactly how we're going to do this title yet, but something along the lines of healed from it to not deal with it or heal it to not deal with it or something like that. You'll see what we mean by that in a second. But basically the premise of, hey, we're healed. We don't have to deal with this thing anymore to push thoughts and well uh, and it kind of goes back to a previous conversation that we've had where you can make an idol of god of where a lot of people go into church leadership because they struggle with whatever they're struggling with and then they go into church leadership so maybe in, in hopes of of healing that or suppressing that or saying oh look i'm a pastor i don't have anything wrong with me but actually that's even more festering and so kind of along the lines of that but more less of leadership and more of just like attending. Well, I think everything. I think across the board, we can just kind of get into yeah. the conversation. We don't have a specific agenda. We're just sharing our uh, our heart on this topic. Uh, we're not doing a bunch of editing to this episode or anything. We're just kind of diving right into it. So before we do that, even though we've pretty much already opened the floodgates, yes. <laughs> if you're not a part of Nomads, head down there to the show notes and click that link and ask to be a part. We would love to have you. All you have to do is answer a few little questions, which basically... Uh, there's one little philosophical question, which is basically like, what, what is our question right now? We change it every now and then. I think it's like, what, uh, what questions do you have about faith? Yeah. I think that's our main question right now. Otherwise it's just like agree not to be a jerk, but, uh, it's really easy. It's no, there's no wrong answers. Um, and we would love to have you a part. That's just to keep out like bots and stuff like that, which is actually an issue with groups. Um, yeah. Is there any other like random news? We're in July. Holy crap. It's already July. Uh, that's insane. It's officially a uh, spoopy season. We've already passed July 4th, so I'm already in mental preparedness for Halloween. Okay, we'll get to that <laughs> soon. But before we jump the gun anymore, why don't we just go ahead and uh, get into today's conversation on healed from it to what, what, not remember, deal with not it. Deal, heal it to deal with I don't know. I'm going to come up with a good name for that, I promise. It'll be catchy. So in our break between recording this intro and where we are now, we came up with that official title. The name of this episode is Healed to Not Deal. I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I told you it's going to be catchy. All right, Elaine, take it away. 
Okay, so there is a huge difference between actually being healed from something and completely masking something in the name of healing. Is that where you're going? Okay, yeah. so you turn it over to me now. Okay, so yeah, uh, here's just this interesting. Here's let's just kind of give a little bit of story of what we're talking about in general. A lot of people uh, that come out of hurt, um, they go directly into something else. It is, I guess, maybe, I don't know if it's instinct. I don't know what it is. We have this, like, desire to forget our trauma and not deal with it. Uh, this is a huge issue with, uh, I mean, going into, like, addiction and stuff like Dating. that. Dating. Uh, what? Dating. Like, a lot of people, like... If they go through like a breakup, they immediately okay. jump into a cool. new relationship. I, I was going somewhere completely different <laughs> well, with that. That's okay. I, I'm not, but you're you're accurate. <laughs> what I was going to go into is talking about like addiction side of things. Like, uh, for instance, my mother, um, she had a really bad trauma in her life, a lot of childhood trauma, and losing her mom never got closure, so she turned to alcohol to self medicate mm-hmm. that issue. Uh, with what you're saying there, yeah, that's very similar. Like, you come out of a really bad breakup. You don't want to deal with the hurt and pain, so you just jump into another relationship. Right, because it, it, it masks the it feelings. It it, yeah. Uh, I have been on the receiving end of that, and it sucks later on down the road whenever someone is like, oh, yeah, actually, you were just a rebound. Yeah, that's that's not fun for anyone, and that just causes more pain, which is kind of, a, I think, a talking point of this mm-hmm. is a lot of times whenever you – jump from one thing to the next you actually end up causing more pain you have to get through but we can get to that in a second uh so remind me to come back around okay. to that uh but yeah so that's that's a really thing uh really that is a really thing that is a really big thing in church hurt too uh you instantly rebound from one church to the next because like oh i was really hurt here so i have to go jump over here uh or you invest yourself over invest yourself into outreaches or whatever servant leadership bulls not crap whatever label you want to put on it or you can you know go through the other side of things which is where more our podcast is dedicated toward toward like their deconstruction reconstruction but a lot of times that looks more like i guess bulldozing everything down and never actually reconstructing anything and just kind of setting up a, a temporary structure almost i guess like my analogy would be like you had this house that you've been living in you realize it's rotten like we've talked about that analogy but Uh, You bulldoze it down and pitch a tent, and it's great in the fall because it's like camping almost, but then it starts to get into uh, the cold months, and you're freezing your butt off for the hot months, and you're burning up, and you realize like, oh, this tent is not sustaining. It is actually damaging in the long run even more so, like it wears out quicker. It's it's degrading faster, like, uh, and then you're kind of left with that foundation again because you've got comfortable once again and then you're starting over from scratch again and we keep putting up these temporary structures in place of a permanent residence uh, or at least a long-term residence right maybe no residence is permanent or infinite uh, at least in our fleshly selves (laughs) well and I think specifically (laughs) with Christians and church hurts specifically talking about rebounding faith and stuff like that a lot of times when Christians have church hurt, one or one of two things happen for the majority. One of two things happen. You either completely derail and like never go to church again, or you jump into the next church. But the reason why the other, we're, we're, the reason why people jump into another church over and over and over again is because Christians aren't taught how to deal with emotion and pain. 
they're taught to, oh, just pray about it, give it to God. And like, that's cute. That's good. Yeah, give it to God, pray about it. But that doesn't automatically mean like, okay, all this pain and suffering is gone. I'm healed. No, you can give it to God to help you process through the pain and the hurt. Well, and see, that's an interesting thing too, because that goes on to the whole like, I don't know, this is a huge beef statement. I think I saw something about it on Facebook uh, not too long ago. It's like, calling people baby Christians, right? It's such a degrading term yeah. and everything. I actually don't mind the term. I don't have huge beef with the term like baby Christian unless it's used derogatively for control, which I have seen. Uh, but for the most part, like I don't have beef with that. It's in the, it is kind of mentioned like as a, once again, um, this is a, I guess not parable, but I guess it's symbology or it's very, um, what what is not allegorical. I'm trying to think of metaphor. What, yeah, metaphorical. Well, I can't even say that word. Yeah. So it's very metaphorical. Uh, and so it doesn't offend me. I love metaphor and like, I feel like I speak a lot in that. And so like, I actually kind of find beauty in it as long as you realize, and I think I said this on the last episode too, but all metaphors break down at some point. No metaphor completely encaptures everything sooner or later. It's going to find a flaw where it no longer relates. Well, and, and some people, their language is more metaphor and other people are just straight to the point. Like, just tell me what this means kind of thing. I'm going to assume everyone is metaphorical. Because I find that more beautiful. No, I understand some people want it straight. But I think metaphor is a beautiful way at least to help us relate because we all have different wave patterns and thought processes. So it helps us relate. When it gives an example of that. Right. So tying back in before we go on a tangent about what a metaphor is, uh, <laughs> that is not the direction we're trying to go. Um, so, yeah, I think that the metaphor of like young Christian or uh, still on from like milk to solid food mm -hmm. or whatever is valuable in the right and healthy instance. And I think to kind of tie it back to what we were saying, uh, there is a point of spiritual maturity in which you realize how to process your faith without the need of a parent present. The problem is we have created a spiritual culture uh, and I say that it's more of a religious culture and institutional culture, but it, it's based upon our spirituality. So it is in essence, our spiritual culture, just like if you were going to, uh, I don't know if you're going to a buffet, it's a different culture than a fine dining restaurant. I don't know. You get what I'm saying. Once again, metaphors metaphor. start to break down, <laughs> but, uh, and so you have like this spiritual, uh, inadvertent spiritual culture, or I guess very, actually very vertent or what advertent, whatever, any opposite of inadvertent. Uh, so this advertent uh, culture, spiritual culture, where they are, we are, we are cultivating people to need community, all these things which are good in essence, but it's kind of like when you're raising a child, right? Which is why, why I actually find beauty in this metaphor. When you are raising a child, you teach them how to be a part of something, how to, the first thing you teach children is, well, of course, the first thing I guess would be like, how to not like crap yourself and like how to like, but it's, it's but really what's it come down to? It comes down how to, to feed yourself etiquette and common. Um, a lot of the very first things is like how to talk, how to communicate, mm -hmm. how to express, how to uh, behave around other and people. And take care of yourself. Uh, well, getting to that, most of the very first things, uh, there's little like basic how to take care of yourself, but most, I feel like most of the very initial things you teach in a child's life is how to behave around other people. And how so, to like, trust other people, I guess. Maybe, or how not to, or I feel like there's there's a balance at first. Like you have to teach like basic, like this is how you live, this is how you do this, which is kind of like to to you know metaphor again relate this to church. 
when you first start getting ingrained into your spiritual walk, it's how do you pray? How do you read your Bible? How do you do, which is like these basic, like, you know, equating to like infant child, like how not to um, defecate on yourself. How do you eat? How to chew your food? How to tie your shoes? Like these little basic principles. And then you go into like this next like juvenile uh, stage where it's like how to relate to people. How how do you share? How do you do this? And so it's kind of coming like to the spiritual side again, like trusting people, community. All of these things are biblical principles. Like you need these things, right? That's the biggest thing lacking is in deconstruction, reconstruction journey, especially the deconstruction side is that community aspect, right? And so you kind of go into that. The problem, this is where we we fall off the wagon. Uh, you have so many people like, don't be a baby Christian, don't be a baby Christian, but no one actually teaches you how not to be this air quotes baby Christian, right? No one ever teaches you. And let's just kind of, let's just shift this one more time. When you start getting into your teenage years, into college age and all of that, what are you primarily learning? You know how to socialize at this point. You know how to do these things. Uh, the biggest thing you're learning now is how do I survive without my parents? How do I survive on my yourself. own? Uh, how do I pay my bills? How do I take out a, a loan or uh, get a credit card or, you know, balance pay a taxes. checkbook? Right. <laughs> it's all these these little things that are now... I'm having to learn how to be my own person. And there's like this other shift that takes like, so you go from learning how to main, how to exist to how to coexist, how, and then to like how to, uh, to exist by oneself or how to learn the basic skills, I guess, of like living without the needs, it's like taking the training wheels off, right? For another metaphor upon my metaphor. <laughs> The word of the day. Uh, so like it's like taking the training wheels off. We never do that for the most part in churches. And so how does this all tie together? You have people that come out of church hurt or uh, any kind of drama or splits in churches or even worse. And things just kind of begin to to crumble. And the only thing people know how to do is to run and completely submerge themselves in something else spiritual. Uh, and that can look like a lot of things that can actually look, uh, like completely submerging yourself into spirituality, like our new ageisms and Different stuff like religions that. Different religions even. Uh, or it can look like, and I am, by the way, I'll tie back to this too. I'm not necessarily dogging on that, but what I'm saying is a lot of times it looks like running out and, oh, I'm going to go volunteer for this church and I'm going to get on this person. How quick can I get on the worship team? How quick can I start volunteering here and doing this and doing that and doing and doing and doing because we don't know how to have a relationship with God without being ingrained in an institution. And that's really like, that's my quote out of this, I guess, is like, we don't know how to just sit with God, kind of like how we have to learn to be an adult and to uh, exist on our own, to go on a drive by ourselves and not go mad. We have to learn to take care of ourselves and pay our taxes and pay our bills and et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're never told how to exist with God on our own outside of the institution and we're constantly taught how to do or what to do and never how to be mm -hmm. we we're always taught of you need to go and do servant leadership you need to go and do this you need to go whatever but we're never taught specifically as christians this does relate to everyone outside of that too but specifically with christians we're never taught to just be to just be present wherever you feel like God is leading you. If you have church hurt, 
or church pain or church suffering or whatever it is, and you need to take a break and not attend a physical, traditional church building for some time, but you become stronger in your relationship with God because you are actually being present in that. You are actually sitting with it. You're actually acknowledging it and not just running to the next quote, best thing, because sometimes those next best things are worst things. Well, and I think this is a another beautiful uh, analogy or metaphor. Uh, I just, I don't know, I was looking out the window here staring at the dragonflies swooping by, and this came to my mind. It has nothing to do with dragonflies, but they inspired me. Uh, so, I don't know why I showed that. Whatever. Back on track. I think that it's interesting how you have to learn first to spend money, Right. Think like, oh, teenager, 16, 17, I just got my first job. This is cool. I'm learning how to earn money. And then what do, we, what do you get to do? You go out to, you get to go buy things. You don't have any responsibilities yet, right? So you just go and you buy things. But then there comes this point where it's like, oh, actually, I really want to get a car where I can travel without the need for my parents or whatever. Then you got to start saving up for that car. Or if you're fortunate to... Uh, you know, to have your parents buy you a car or to help you or whatever. It's like, oh, I got to pay insurance. I got to buy gas. Like there's, I got to change the oil. I've got to start saving money for other things down the road that require currency. We don't teach people that side of spirituality. It works the same way. Uh, there's a huge shift right now. And I say a huge shift. It's pretty much been like our lifetimes, but there's been a big shift in mental health, which is teaching people how to conserve their energy I know it's a huge thing. If you're an introvert, uh, I'm telling this to the extroverts. Introverts already know where I'm going with this. But dear extroverts, please understand this. Introverts have to save up mental energy to engage with other human beings. Me. Yeah, same. <laughs> and then we run out and we have to go away for a little while and recharge. It's the same principle. Same thing with currency. You have to, When you make that money, sometimes you have to put some back to be able to pay for the things that you need to pay for. And that gets more and more for the most part. Like hopefully you're wise about your spending, but like there comes points where you have, to, I have to be able to save up for my energy bill and my gas bill and you know, all these different things. The same thing with spirituality. We have a, an amount we are able to give before we're just exhausted, right? Before we're no longer, I mean, we, we talk about this analogy all the time in church. Oh, the empty cup. You can't pour from an empty cup. Make sure to fill yourself up spiritually. But filling yourself up spiritually for the most part is go sit in a worship service and you have to put on your face to make sure people realize that you're getting filled up. You have to do this. You have to do that. There's a lot of social stipulations that you're not even probably aware of at first that you were having to go through your little mental checkboxes. I'm wearing the right clothes. Uh, I am raising my hands the right way. Right. I have served X amount of time. And then even if you have those real raw intimate moments of like, wow, I've been filled back up, you know, or whatever, like, uh, or at least visually, then you're expected to pour out again, despite your actual level of fullness, because only you really could probably know that. So what am I trying to get at with this? Basically, like we don't teach people how to save up spiritually. And so we hop from one thing to the next because all we know is spend. All we know is spend. It's kind of like if you're in a friend's group and all you're known for is the person who buys everyone's lunch or brings all the candy or, uh, I don't know, always provides the liquor to your giant parties, which I would advise to kind of rethink your philosophy on that if that's what you're spending your money on. But it's it's you're, you're cool 
because of what you're willing to dish out. But those are the people that are often extremely depressed, extremely Broke. wore out. <laughs> I mean, and I, I use the whole like liquor frat party thing. Uh, the person who's always busting their butt and buying everyone everything looks really cool for a few hours on the weekends. But whenever they're slaving over that money, they have nothing to pay their bills. They're tired. They're broken. They're wore out because they don't have the energy. They're failing their classes. Like It starts to fall apart really quick because you don't have any time, any mental energy anywhere else. You're constantly spending everything on everyone else just to keep some social stature. And let's be really honest. A lot of our institutions are geared around that social stature. We are put in these positions where dang, like this person is really cool. They, they're they really good at what they do. And do you have anything you want to say? Because I can keep going here. Okay. I didn't want to cut, cut you off. So if you have anything, like just cut me off. I'm just thinking. Okay. So I'm that person. I am that person. I have been in church uh, or I had been in church my whole freaking life. Uh, I know the ins and outs of service like nobody else I can speak and I can ramble indefinitely about a topic and sound like I am the best professional at it. I'm really good at that. I know I'm really good at that. Like this podcast episode, I did not plan a single note. All we had was half of a title, and here we are. That should tell you like how much I, I can't speak with notes. I have to just talk. And so with that, I am that person where like I know how to run music. I know how to, or I, I've led worship most of like my teenage and adult life. Uh, I know how to preach. I know how to do children's church. Probably not my most eloquent, but I've been a youth pastor. I know how to run sound. I do graphic design. We do audio. We do like I know all of this. I know video. I've done announcements. I've done video announcements. I know how to clean bathrooms and sweep floors. I've done door greeting. I've done hospital call. I've done everything in church. Uh, and the thing is, I'm one of those people where as soon as someone learns that, they take interest. We visited a church one time, and they did not show a single rat's bit of interest in us mm -hmm. until they learned that I'm an ex-pastor and I was a youth pastor and all that. And also a business owner at somewhere that they were wanting business from. Right. And so as soon as they learned those things, I was all of a sudden an object of interest for to a them. day. Yeah, for a day. Uh, and as soon as like I tried to reach out to them for any kind of like just, hey, I'm not ready for this, but I would love just to get you. No, there's no, nothing else. As soon as I told them I wasn't in the mood to do right now, I was cut off. And then a month later, they were like, I think we know you. Yeah. Actually, like they didn't like we didn't like we never met. Uh, and we never went again. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> That was that was completely it. And it's just it, that just kind of goes back to that whole whole thing. Learn. And this is OK. Let's just shift for a second. We've talked about what this stuff is. The biggest thing I want you to be able to take away from this is realize that it is OK to save. It is OK to save up to invest in something that is going to make you a bigger profit down the line. I'm talking spiritually here. OK. It is okay for you to not invest in every little church opportunity, every little ministry opportunity, to not wring yourself dry every time you get a drop of moisture in the chamois. I don't know, it's a weird analogy, but whatever. Every time you get just a little bit, you don't have to siphon it off. That way, you can save up for something that has a bigger impact down the line. So, for instance, 
if I'm trying to start a business, I've got to have uh, a capital investment to be able to start that business. Now, could I go out and spend a little bit here on this and a little bit there on that? Absolutely. You can get a thousand little things uh, or you can go out and and buy a, a hundred scratch-off tickets in hopes of hitting it big on one thing, right? And that's so much what we do with our faith. We buy a hundred scratch-off tickets. So here's a dollar of my faith there and five dollars of my faith there hoping to hit the spiritual jackpot. And sometimes we get a hundred dollar return on our investment. Sometimes we get a little bit back. Oh, that was a great worship service. I really feel like I did something after that. Wow, that under the bridge homeless ministry really touched my life. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going out on the weekends and spending some money, you know, bowling and getting a pizza. There's nothing wrong with spending a weekend going out and serving people in your community. That's actually good. It's healthy. It's fun. It's it's life-giving. But when you're doing that all the time and you're broke and you don't have money to pay for your necessities or money to put back towards something big, something that you're passionate about, say, for instance, uh, going on a cross-country trip to see things. So Elaine and I have been saving for an RV. We bought an RV. Could we have done that had we just spent all our money on little things? No, we had to save for it. It was still a stretch for us to be able to get it right now. It's still a financial investment that we're still having to save for and plan for and prep for, but it's something we're passionate about. It's a big investment because instead of going out and, you know, swandering, swan, whatever the word is, away on like eating out all the time and this and that, we had to save and invest. The same thing goes with spirituality. You know, we invest in this podcast because it's what we're passionate about. We put our time and our effort toward this. We could invest in a thousand other little things, but this is what we're passionate about. So this is what we pour our hearts to. We have a few spiritual outlets we pour ourselves into, and this is one of them. Now, like I said, you can go out and you can spend and spend and spend, but then you don't have anything for that spiritual moment. It's like, oh, this is really what I'm saving up for. And so like, that's the number one thing. It is okay to save up so you can invest in something that you are spiritually passionate about. You do not have to constantly be spending because all you're doing at that point is putting on a show for others to see your spirituality. Well, and I feel like if you have something that you want to give, but you don't know what, if, if you have your time or your energy and you don't know what to do with it, just that's when you say, okay, God, I give this to you. I do not feel emotionally well, or I don't feel healthy right now to give this to a church or a church setting, but here's my time. I'm willing to invest in a different group of people. I'm willing to invest in myself and getting myself in check with that. I'm willing to invest in you. And if you need, if you get more out of reading your Bible on your front porch than going to a physical, traditional location at church, by all means, do that instead. If that brings you more joy, if that brings you more life, if that brings you a closer relationship with God and a better understanding of who God made you, then I would pick that in a heartbeat, especially if you feel like you have to put on a fake face at church, if you have to wear a mask, if you feel emotionally drained and emotionally spent after the morning service, and then you have to attend night service, and you have to attend Wednesday night service, and all of these things— if you only if if you only have a limited supply of time or energy or whatever it is and you feel safer you feel better doing that in a more private intimate time with God then choose that 
And something else that I want to touch on before we uh, close this episode out, I want to talk to church leadership for a second. Uh, or I guess let's backtrack real quick. Just to sum up with that, everything Elaine said, completely 100% agree. It's okay to just have to recharge, to to just stop, to sit, to rest. Just remember, like, you don't have to throw up a temporary structure just mm-hmm. to have something to live in. It's better to invest. It's better to invest in in a solid standing structure over the time. I'm talking spirituality here. I'm not talking about like a church building. I'm talking about you need to get your foundation set. You need to get, and that's a personal thing. That's take, what growing say, up is. Take all the time you need for that. That's not a single Sunday. That right. if that takes days, weeks, months, or even a year or multiple years, like that's okay. And I want to just preface that too is like, I don't care how many times you've been told this, your spiritual foundation is not in a church. It's not in a pastor. It's not in a ministry or anything like that. It's in your relationship with Christ. Christ is your foundation and that is what you build upon. And you do not need any institutionalized building or anything else to tell you that. Is it wrong to be a part of that? Absolutely not. I was going to say, if you want that, that, that's extra. That's like icing on the cake, but that's not necessary. Right. And almost, I would say, as a matter of fact, not only is it not necessary, uh, the only necessary thing to your faith is understanding and learning and growing beyond just that infancy of I have to do, 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 and realizing like I am. And that is the, the catalyst to me. That is what takes you out of baby or infant or juvenile. When I think or, the language you know, of I, instead of I have to or I need to or I should, it's I get to. Mm-hmm. I get to on my time. And that's where this, that's a great transition point to what I wanted to say. If you are a pastor or a church leader actively, please hear me out. There are going to be people that come into your church that are there just to receive. They're going to sit there on Sunday morning. They're not going to say a whole lot to a whole lot of people. They'll have friends. They'll have people they may go to lunch with, whatever, but they're going to attend they're going to go home, and they're going to go about their spiritual journey, and that's okay, and I swear, if you want people to care about your institution, stop looking like they are your batteries to deplete to keep your machine running, okay? I understand you may not actively be thinking that way, but take just a second to see beyond your vision and look at people as a collective instead of about building your empire. I know I'm being harsh, but just hold on to it, look at this and realize we are a collective. There are people who are passionate. I'm not going to use the word called, okay? It is not called as someone who is an ex-minister. I get that we are all called to ministry, okay? We are all called to ministry. What is ministry? It's showing the love of Christ. That's a whole other conversation on what what is ministry. But we are all called to that. We are not all called or some of us are, I guess, how am I trying to say this? We're not all called to serve a church. A lot of us are called or or feel drawn to uh, supporting a local ministry. They find life there. There are people that love supporting, but they also need to be comfortable. And if you do not have this culture in your church, what the heck are you doing? If you don't have a culture where people are comfortable coming to you as a leader and saying, hey, I need to take some time off, then you really need to evaluate that culture. 
because I don't care if you're like, oh no, what am I going to do this Sunday? Who's going to run my PowerPoint? Screw your PowerPoint. That or figure it out for yourself. (laughs) Right. If you need that PowerPoint to survive, if that's what, does that PowerPoint mean a thing to Jesus? No, it's just a stupid words on a screen. Get over it. Like, I'm sorry. Well, it goes back to the truth doesn't need to be defended. If you need to have a PowerPoint to prove your message, then your message doesn't stand by itself. And and that's like I said, that's that's we're, we can digress into all that all day long. But my thing behind this is, if you are trying to do things that you do not have the resources to do, why are you doing them? If you need a hundred people to run your service and you only have ninety people in your service, let some things go. You don't have to be everything to everyone. If churches would focus on what they're supposed to be, outlets for people to come together and experience Christ in unity, really all that church building is for is for people to come and have these kind of conversations like we're having right here, and we have ballooned it into some atrocious, systematic, you know, like show and tell. I don't know what it is now, but if we would just stop and realize like, hey, maybe we don't need the PowerPoint because we don't have someone to run it. Maybe we don't need video, you know, announcements and all this. Maybe we, maybe instead of looking for how many things we can do, what if we didn't even need announcements because everyone already knew what they were coming to? We knew what we were doing there, you know, and then realizing that like people are coming to, uh, there are some people that are going to serve. Sure. I understand churches all the time are like, we need more people to serve. We need more servants. We need more this, you know, come fulfill your calling, whatever, do this, do that maybe you don't need to have that. Maybe that's just not your place. Maybe you're trying to fit the wrong thing and quit shoving random people who are new. uh, Not called, not fit. Right, into your positions because you need a battery. You know, quit wrapping aluminum foil around a AAA battery to make it fit in a AA socket. I don't know how else to describe that. Like, because they're just going to burn out faster and probably short circuit the whole dang machine. Like, it, it doesn't work. You can only jerry-rig something for so long until you're depleting and burning people and you're just you're robbing them and you actually end up sending them away spiritually broken and wore out. And sure, does your machine, uh, did it run a little longer? Did it run a little faster? Is it a little more glorious? Sure, maybe the machine. But it wasn't efficient. Right, it's not efficient. And at what cost? At what cost? You know, it's kind of like, Uh, You have a car that's just falling apart and you're rigging it together over and over and over again. At what cost? Sooner or later, you're putting more in than it's than it's ever going to give out. Uh, You have this system where you're using people like batteries and sooner or later, you're actually creating more brokenness than you are providing healing. Yeah. Or growth. And I'm not telling you to stop being a church. I'm not against church. You know, there's a lot of deconstructionists out there who preach a lot of hatred toward church, and I'm not that. You know, I I find beauty in church, and I think it can be a very beautiful thing so long as it is done to glorify Christ and glorify the temple, which is people. And if you're using people, then you're using Christ. And that goes back to what Elaine was saying. You're making an idol out of Christ because you're making an idol out out of what his people can do for you versus how we can come together to be in unity. And that should be all of our goal is unification with Christ and each other 
not how can we promote this system. And that goes into a whole other conversation. Maybe this is a next week topic. I don't know. But it goes into the whole idea of why evangelism is broken. And this whole system of go into all the world and make disciples, well, we stop there. But we don't even acknowledge what disciples are. We don't acknowledge what that looks like. And we go about it uh, trying to grow bigger machines that can, you know, beacon out further. Well, we go by textbook, like the textbook definition of what a disciple is, but we never actually put it into practice or show people how to put it into practice. Yeah. So all that to say, it's okay to spiritually save up. It's okay to rest. It's okay to not always do, do, do. And it's okay to just be. We love you guys. Let us know what you think. Drop us a message in Nomads, a safe community for Christians to ask unsafe questions. You can even email us at mail at com. Head over to therecklesspursuit.com and find out where you can contact us, all the different ways. We would love to hear from you, honestly, sincerely. We're not just voices behind microphones off in the distant internet. We actually want to engage with you and to hear your heart. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum or spiritual spectrum you come from. We are a safe place for all to come together in unity. Deconstruction, reconstruction, no construction. I don't know what else, all the different functions you can do, but we just we just want to bring all of us together to have honest conversations about Christ. We love you guys. Have an amazing start to your July or whatever time you're listening to this. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll We'll talk talk soon. soon.